Well, I mentioned earlier, this is Memorial Day weekend, and it's a, a holiday that our uh, country has set aside to remember the people who have given their lives. Um, You do understand this, don't you? Freedom is never free. Uh, There are people who lay down their lives so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have uh, here in our country, so that we can gather like this for worship without interference. And um, and there are many who have given their lives through the years, and we want to take just a moment to honor those. Here's what I'd like to do. I want to do two things. First off, if you um, have had a family member, a brother, sister, father, grandfather, aunt, uncle, whoever, uh, if you've had a member of your family who has given their, given their lives in the line of service for our country, would you just stand on their behalf, and uh, we would like to make sure that we honor them. Would you, would you stand over there? Okay. Can we thank God for those who have laid down their lives? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, what I'd like to do, um, I always like to have the opportunity in moments like this also to just honor our military. So if you have or are, uh, have served in our military in any of the branches of our armed forces or are currently serving, uh, wherever you are today, we want you to stand and uh, we want to take just a moment to honor you. So all of our uh, servicemen and women who have served our country, would you stand for us? Thank you. God bless you for that. You know why um, people lay down their lives like that? It's because of love. Uh, The soldiers who fight on the battlefronts for us, they, they love their country. They love their freedom and they love their families. And that's why they do that. Um, you know, we, when we talk about love, we often talk about love in very, very soft and very tender terms. But sometimes love is tough. And what we are going to discover today, and it's just a very fitting weekend to do it, is love is also sacrificial. How many of you who have either been married or, or have had kids have discovered love costs you something? <laughs> yeah, how many of you have had grandkids and they say, it costs you a lot? Actually, yeah, yeah you, never, you never stop paying for this stuff. Well, I, I want to talk about that because when, when I was working on this series, the, the thought I kept coming back to is that, is that love really does require a lot of us. In fact, Jesus expressed it in words that I think can challenge the best that's in us. I want you to invite you, if you want to take your sermon outlines out, you can track along with me. We'll throw everything up on the screen. And by the way, there are Bibles in front of you on the back of the pews. Those are our gift to you. If you need a Bible, please feel free to take one home. Or if you have a friend who would like one or somebody at work, take one for them. We have them in English and in Spanish there for you. So uh, grab whatever you need and feel free to take that with you. I want you to look with me, John chapter 15, verse 13. These are the words of Jesus. Would you read it out loud with me, please? There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's read it together again. I want you to sink in. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I want you to think about that as Jesus said that. Now, let me just ask you the question. Did Jesus understand what he was talking about? Is he asking us to do anything that he himself didn't do? 
Um, you know, I, I, when I was writing this and I was building off of that verse, I thought, you know, Jesus spoke from what he knew. In fact, Jesus understood the sacrificial love in many ways. And I want to I give you several. Some of these you may never, you may never even thought about. I want to look at the model of Jesus' sacrificial love for us. Are you ready? What, how did Jesus sacrifice in love? Well, first of all, think about this. He left the glory of heaven to spend 33 years here on earth. Just let that sink in for a second. Jesus was in heaven and then gave that up to come live here for 30, 33 years. Can you imagine the shock of having, you know, been in heaven all of this time and then waking up in a barn? Think about that. Born in a manger, you know, living in a, growing in a barn. And all of a sudden, this contrast of where Jesus has been and now where he is. And he, let, he came here for 33 years. How many of you love where you live? Right now, how many of you love where you live? Can you imagine being asked to give that up for 33 years and, and going to not, a not-so-nice place? What if somebody asked you to give up where you live right now and going to someplace horrible, like Texas or, or, you know, or something? You know, what, what, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> crazy. Or, or Nebraska or where, you know, wherever, wherever, you're, wherever your place where you'd say, please, Lord, not there. But, but I thought about, you know, we don't even think about the fact that Jesus gave up heaven to just come and live on this lousy planet, but he did. Secondly, he, he sacrificed because he gave three years of his life to pour into his disciples. Think about that. He gave these 12 guys three years of his life to, to teach them, to walk with them, to, to mentor them, to try to help them become who God had called them to be. And then as I was thinking about that, it, this hit me too. He patiently endured his followers' lack of faith and understanding. He patiently endured that. How many times do you see in the Gospels Jesus saying to his disciples, how long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> you read that? You know, it was funny. I've been writing in my, my daily devotionals that I'm writing and writing about the disciples and their interactions with Jesus. And, and I was laughing about this earlier this week when I was writing about Jesus and the feeding of the 4,000. Because if you remember, Jesus had already fed 5,000 people. Uh, if you remember the story, they had gathered there. Jesus taught all day, got to the end of the day, and, the, and Jesus said, you know, these people are getting hungry. We need to give them something to eat. And the disciples were like, wow, what are we, how are we going to do this? And, and they found a kid who has a, a lunch with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, and he gives it to Jesus. And you remember what happened? Jesus blesses it, and does he feed everybody? Yeah, he feeds 5,000 people and they've got 12 baskets left over, one for each of the disciples. I mean, he did all of that. And then shortly thereafter, you find him teaching 4,000 people and it gets to the end of the day and Jesus said, you know, we really need to feed them. And, and what do the disciples do? The, the disciples go, yeah, we've done this before. No, they're going, well, are we going to get that kind of food? How are we going to do this? And Jesus is like, you know, how many times do I have to do this before you guys get this, you know? And he's like, you know, he, he had, think about it this way. This will help you appreciate Jesus. He had to put up with people like you and me. That my, my, my level of appreciation just went way up. I don't know about you. So. Fourth, and I, this one really hits me, <clears throat> is that Jesus was sacrificed in love because he withheld his anger against those who deserved punishment. He withheld his anger against those who deserve punishment. 
All right, this is church, great place to confess. How many of you would be honest enough to admit you don't, maybe not lose your salvation, but you lose your sanctification every time you get on the freeway? Yeah, isn't it interesting how, how, how quickly, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to get, sometimes I feel like the, you know, the, the guy who his, his son asked him, dad, how come the idiots only come out whenever you're driving? And it's like, you know, I, I don't know, but, but they, they seem to do that. I don't, I don't know why that, why that is. There are so many times, folks, I promise you, so many times I'm reading the gospels and I'm reading how these people are treating Jesus who had nothing but love for these people, you know, and then he gets to the last week of his life and they are arrest him and they, they beat him and they put the crown of thorns. And, and I'm reading all of this and here's the deal. Jesus could have stopped it at any time. It could have stopped it at any time. You know, when Peter wanted to take up a sword and defend him, Jesus said, you don't need to do that. I can call 10,000 angels if I want to, but he, but he didn't. And there's so many times I'm reading this, I'm going, people just really need to be glad that I wasn't Jesus. Because I mean, I think I'd be going, bzzz, bzzz, you know, just be zapping people left, you know, left and right. But Jesus didn't do that. He, he, he withheld his anger against people who deserved punishment. And can I give you one more? You get this. He willingly died on the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus willingly died on the cross to pay for our sins. Don't ever forget this. No one took Jesus' life from him. He laid it down. Amen. He laid it down. Now, what's interesting is, you know, this weekend we're celebrating Memorial Day and we're honoring the men and women who have laid down their life for our country. But what's so cool is every single Sunday we gather in this place to celebrate a God who laid down his life for every one of us. And this morning, before I go one step further, I just want to say this to you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted his sacrifice for your sin, today, I just want to encourage you to open your heart to that. You know, this, the heart of the gospel you can find in, in, in John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world, it means he so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, you would not have to perish, but you could have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it, that means that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, God is willing to forgive you and give you a brand new start. That's good news. Amen? Well, today, what I want to do, this is going to be, again, this is going to be a little different, and I'm going to tell you in advance, this is going to push on you a little bit. In fact, I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and lock the doors uh, so you can't leave. Because what I'm going to share with you today, I, I promise you it's going to put you, because I, when I was working on this message, here's what I decided to do. You get the concept, greater love is no one than this, than a person lay down their life for their friends. But here's the deal. Most of us are never going to be able to jump in front of a car for someone. Most of us are never going to be able to take a bullet or, or physically die saving another person's life. Most, most of us, that's probably never going to happen for us. So is there a deeper meaning, a different meaning to that that we can get? Yes, there is. And what I tried to do is I tried to think and, and pray and say, Lord, what are some very practical ways that we can lay down our lives every day for people that we love or people around us that we should love. Are you ready? Okay, this is gonna challenge you. I'm gonna say it in advance. But 
Open your heart to hear what God might say to you. Here's the first one. One of the ways you can do that is you can give the gifts of forgiveness and blessing to someone who doesn't deserve it. You can give the gifts of forgiveness and blessing to someone who doesn't deserve it. Look at, look at what Colossians says you know, when Paul was writing to the church. He said, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Read it out loud with me. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me say that again. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. It's the way that Jesus taught us when he taught the disciples how to pray. In Matthew 6, when he said, you know, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And what's the next line? And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And can we be honest? I don't think most of us really want God to forgive us the way that we forgive. I think we're hoping for a whole lot more than that. But Jesus, who modeled this so well, really pushes this point home. I mean, you can go and read Matthew chapter 18 and, and read the story there uh, about how Jesus framed people who were unwilling to forgive or even keep reading right after the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says some of the strongest words in the New Testament when he says, and if you are not willing to forgive your brother his sins, neither is your heavenly Father willing to forgive you your sins. Let that sink in for a second. In other words, God says, I am willing you give, willingly giving you grace. And yes, I know there are people who have offended you. There are people who have hurt you. There are people who have done just reprehensible things to you. I, I get all of that. But we are called to forgive as God has forgiven us. That's laying down your pride. That's laying down your right to be right. That's laying down your life in love. There was a, a story in Facebook I just thought was so cool. A gal named Cody McFate, who's a 32-year-old, lives down in Texas. And her father uh, came to Texas to visit her on vacation. And uh, while he was there, it was really interesting. Throw that picture up on the screen. He, um, he cut grass. He was on vacation. I don't know about you. If I'm on vacation, I don't really think about cutting grass. But he, he cuts the grass. Throw that next picture up. And you can see it's a rather, rather large yard. And what struck me about the story was, you know, not just that a father came to town and cut grass. You know whose yard he's cutting? His ex-wife. Let that sink in for a second. His ex-wife. He he's been divorced from his wife for 28 years comes to down to visit his daughter. They stop by his ex-wife's house so she can pick up something. He sees the yard is overgrowing and, and needs to be cut. Now, she has remarried. Her husband travels a lot, and he was gone. Uh, he was out, wasn't going to be home for a while. His ex-wife has really bad knees, couldn't get out, can't get out and do that herself. And so while his daughter was visiting with her, he went out, got the lawnmower, cut his ex-wife's grass for her without any, any probing or, or prodding at all. 
And when I read this story, I thought, you know what, God, that's the kind of love you want us to have. That's the kind of stuff where the rubber really meets the road and forgiving, sometimes maybe even people who really don't deserve forgiveness. I would just challenge you, who has God got on your heart that you really need to forgive, that you really need to bless, even though they don't deserve it? Can I give you a second one? Another way we can lay down our lives like that is to give up a piece of your time to someone who needs it. Give up a piece of your time to someone who needs it. One of the, this hit me because I was reading an article that was talking about in the 21st century that time is the most precious commodity that people have. Our, our lives have gotten busier and busier, and I don't know about you, but I find that as I get older, time goes faster and faster and faster, and there seems to be less of it. In fact, I, I, love, I love how the Bible talks about time and its brevity. James 4, 14, he says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Read it with me. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. How many of you woke up this morning with a little bit of that morning fog going going on? I got that. Yeah. Psalm 90, verse 12. Read it out loud. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And what, again, we, we've all come to understand that, you know, time is so precious. We're willing even to pay more money for things that'll actually save us time. So when you're thinking about how can I lay down my life for someone else, what if you gave them some of your time? I saw this quote. I absolutely loved it. Throw it up on the screen. So the best gift you can give to someone is your time because you're giving them something you can never get back. And uh, when, I was, when I was writing this and I was just kind of just spending some time thinking about just how, how awesome that thought really is, I started thinking about many of you who, as our church volunteers, who so willingly give your time uh, to the ministry here and just how deeply appreciative we are of that. But, but what a gift that is that you give. Um, I was thinking about, we you know, we just finished up our Wednesday night classes last week. And I was thinking about Rebecca Carr and uh, her kitchen crew who spend hours and hours every week getting meals ready for us on Wednesday night so we can come straight from work and get here and eat and go to class. And, and they do that over and over and over again. And Vicki does that for our Celebrate Recovery group. And just all these people who give so much time uh, to, to make these kinds of things happen. You know, I, th- I thought about our, our children's workers um, who, you know, give every Sunday, you know, give on Wednesday night, give of their time, give of their time. Again, yes, is it a worthy cause? Absolutely. It's putting the baton of faith in hands of the next generation, but it's a gift. It's a sacrifice of time. You know, when we talk about you giving up three Sundays uh, of, of the summer, I would just challenge you to say, is that just simply a gift? You could say, you know what, God, I want to give you a gift of three Sundays where I'm going to work with kids. May not be my favorite thing to do. May not be something I feel I'm called to do, but I'll do that so some other workers can have a break. That's the kind of laying down your life we're talking about. I want to point out one individual. That's Jerry Smith. Jerry uh, uh, comes here every uh, Monday uh, morning. And Jerry goes through the entire sanctuary. He cleans up all the stuff that you leave behind. Uh, He puts new prayer cards out when they run out. He puts Bibles out that need to be put there. He gets all the things in order. He he gives us hours every single Monday so that we can come Sunday and just go to church. 
And I, I love the fact Jerry shows up every single Monday in a good mood and he does all of this. And you know what? That's all time. He'll never get back. And it's deeply, deeply appreciative. I, Wanda modeled this so well this last week. I'm going to give her a shout out. Um, my wife is very task oriented. And, you know, she, she always wakes up every single day with more things to do than she has time to do. How many of you are like her? You, you, you get that? And she, she's just that way. And, and Wanda will die. I will lay her list of things to do on her chest when we bury her. because She'll never get it all done. It just won't happen. But, but she gets up and she's always got frantic and she's always moving from one thing to the next. She's very busy. But it was so interesting this week I watched her as our grandson Maddox, who's practically living at our home now, um, came over and one of the things he has to do this summer is read a few books. And Wanda was trying to encourage him and he doesn't want to read. He's a typical 11-year-old who wants to play on his phone and play on his computer. And Wanda was trying to encourage him, but he has to read it. So Wanda gets out the book, Where the Red Fern Grows. How many of you have read that? How many of you have seen the movie anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a great storyline. And Wanda's trying to encourage Maddox to read it. And he, you know, he's, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, just kind of whining like they do. And, and what was so interesting, Wanda, instead of just letting it go, sits down beside him and starts reading to him. Now, again, I'm watching this. This woman has a thousand other things I know that she needs to be doing. And they're all rattling around in the back of her brain. But she gave that hour to sit with our grandson, to read to him, to try to help make that connection. Now, again, Maddox at 11 years old, he may never understand or appreciate the gift that she's giving him when she does that. But that is laying down your life in love. Amen? Amen. You bet. Let me give you a third one. And this one is going to push the best that's in you. Become decidedly patient with someone who gets on your nerves. Become decidingly patient with someone who gets on your nerves. I kept coming back to this because when I was working on this message, I kept felt like God was saying, you know, Steve, Jesus is really talking particularly about loving people who aren't always fun to be around. Now, come on, it's just us. How many of you have people who get on your nerves? Yeah. How many of you brought them with you today? Yeah, they're right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both arms and a leg up back there. Yes, yes, I see that. Yeah, yeah, we, we do. You know, we have people. And, and, and what I started thinking about is, you know, those are the people that one of the ways we lay down our life is by, is, is by really beginning to, to, to be patient with them. Um, I love Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. He kicks off that whole love chapter. What's he say? Love is? Say it again. Love is? Patient. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, says, be, read it with me, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, let me help, let me help you with this a little bit. One of the things that's probably true are that these people who get on your nerves, let me just say this, there's a reason why they get on your nerves. There's a reason why they are the way they are. What I've discovered through the years is that people who get on your nerves because they're just always angry and in a bad mood, angry people are hurting people. And you find that people who are greedy and selfish, those are just needy people, often people who have been deprived. People who are controlling, how many of you got a few controlling people in your life that get annoying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Controlling people are just fearful people. They're driven by fear. 
Um, People who are obnoxious, people who are always in your face, people who are always wanting attention, and they're always, me, 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 people like that, yeah. Those are just lonely people. My my wife made a statement one time, and it it has helped me so much. She said, everything about a person will make sense if you know enough of their story. And when I was writing this, what I kept hearing God say was, you know what, Steve, if, if you could decide to look at people the way I look at them, you'd be a lot more patient with them than you are. And here's the other thing I thought about. I certainly need the patience of God. And if I need the patience of God, maybe I ought to pass that along. Amen. Now, Stephen Covey uh, wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, in that book, he was t- uh, he's telling a story about being on a subway one Sunday morning in New York City. And he said it was a quiet morning. And subway really wasn't very crowded. And he said most people were drinking their coffee, reading the newspaper, just kind of relaxing. And he said, then we made a stop and the doors opened. And he said these little kids came running onto the, onto the subway. And he said they were loud and rambunctious. And he said this father who was walking with them was walking like a zombie, like he had been up all night. And uh, he said he, he plopped down in the seat beside me, laid his head back, and he said he's like he was dozing off. And he said, as the father was doing that, he said these kids were all over the train car. He said they were yelling at each other. They were throwing stuff back and forth. They were running up and down the aisles. They were knocking people's papers out of their hand. He said it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. He said, finally, I, I took it as long as I could take it. He said, the father never even looked up. And he said, finally, I nudged the father. And I said to him, sir, your kids are just out of control. They're bothering everybody. You know, can't you do something to rein them in? And he said, this father leaned his head down and he said, kind of blinked a couple of times. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I, 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 guess, I guess they are being pretty wild. He goes, I'm so sorry. He said, you know, we just, we just left the hospital. My wife, their mother, passed away. And he said, I, I know the kids are really struggling and trying to figure out how to deal with this. And quite frankly, so am I. I'm so sorry. Stephen Covey said in that moment in time, all of a sudden, how he saw the scenario completely changed. All of a sudden, he realized this wasn't a father who just didn't want to have discipline over his children This was a father who was deeply wounded, and his kids were deeply wounded. And he said, and it changed everything about how I saw him. And I said to him, sir, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that this happened. Is there anything I can do to help you? Tell me about how this happened. And Stephen Covey said, my perspective changed when I understood. Here's all I want to say to you. These people who get on your nerves, there's a story behind that. Ask God to help you see that story. Amen. Let me give you one more. And this one really came home to me recently. And, um, and, and I, it, it, was, it was such a, a great thought. And, and it, it fits in so well to what we're talking about today. And here's the point I want to make. Express love to someone in their language. Express love to someone in their language. Do you know how much speaking love in somebody's language means to them? Um, It honors them. I I love how Paul said in Romans 12, 10, 
He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in doing what? Honoring one another. And one of the ways we do that is speaking other people's language. You know, one day when we, when we traveled abroad, one of the discoveries we made, it just blew us away when we were traveling around Europe, is almost everywhere we went, everybody spoke English. But we spoke almost none of the languages of the people that we were around. And yet what we know is that people love it when you try to learn their language. With Salvador and our third service, Spanish service now, a lot of us on staff are trying to brush up on our Spanish just so we'll be able to communicate better with the, the parishioners that are coming that speak only Spanish. And, and it honors people when you try. And the same thing in our relationships. Now, how many of you have discovered the people around you have a different love language than you? Have you made this discovery? Yeah. And we tend to try to communicate in our own language rather than really asking the question, what's their language? Now, I put this statement on your outline. I want you to really think about this. It's not love to them because you say it. It's love to them when they can hear it. Does that make sense? You say, it's not love simply because you're trying to express love. It's love when it really connects and communicates to their heart. Now, this came home to me recently um, on Mother's Day. Uh, with Mother's Day, when Mother's Day was coming up, <coughs> I uh, contacted both my boys who live here in town. I said, it's Mother's Day Sunday. Uh, don't forget to honor your mother or you will be taken out of our will. It's, it's, I'm not, not threatening you, but it's just a fact. It's going to happen. And, um, and then I started thinking about, so what do I want to get Wanda for Mother's Day? Now, I'm a dude. And we dudes can be very unthoughtful. And typically for a, an occasion like that, you know what I would do? I, I would go to Walgreens and I would browse through the Mother's Day card. And I would either find something really corny, uh, really romantic, or really novel, like you open it up and there's a full band playing a song, you know, or something. And, you know, and I'll, I'll spend any amount of money for, for one of those cards. You know what I've discovered? Those mean absolutely nothing to her. That's not her language. I could buy Wanda a $1,000 gift, and she would go, you spent that much money? You know, that's not her language. Wanda um, is relational, and Wanda likes things that have meaning to them, that are personal and have deep meaning to them. Now, I'm a dude. That takes a lot of thought. I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking. I just want to get on Amazon and order it. Are you with me? But I decided for Mother's Day, I wanted to do something that really would bless her. And I started thinking about what that was, and I had this fantastic idea. Now, Men, I'm going to say this before I ever get here. You're going to hate me when this is over. You're going to hate me because I nailed it. You know what I did? I didn't go out and buy Wanda a card. I made her a card. Now, I know you can't see this from there, but I started thinking about how I think Wanda is just not only an incredible mom, but an incredible grandmother. And I decided I wanted to create something that would express that to her. So here's what I did. So that first, this is what I put on the cover. I, I had some pictures on my phone and I put happy Mother's Day to the grandma who plays with us. And there's a 
top picture is her with our grandson Maddox playing, and the bottom picture is her holding up little Adrian in our gym with the basketball playing with him. Happy Mother's Day to the grandma who plays with us inside next week. The grandma who reads to us, and there's a picture of Wanda sitting on the bed with Joe Lee reading her stories at night, picture of her with Adrian on her lap uh, reading to her and, and reading to him in the chair. And then the grandma who holds us, and there's a picture of her with Joe Lee wrapped around her holding, and then there's with Adrian on her lap holding her, and then on the back of the card, you're the best grandma ever, and I had Maddox and Joe Lee both sign it, and I, Adrian's a year and a half, so I signed, I signed it for him. Now, how many of you women think that meant something to her? That took me a long time to make. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm pretty good on the computer with a lot of stuff, but I'm I'm not a Photoshop guy, and I I don't really deal with that kind of stuff. That took me a long time to think through and make. But look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. To see the tears come out of my wife's eyes and the joy on her face when I gave her that card. To see her hold this like I had just given her a million bucks. To see this card that she almost didn't let me bring because she was afraid I would tear it on the way. But this card sits just like this on the counter in our home because Wanda wants to keep looking at it. All of the other junk that I have done for her through the years meant nothing compared to that. Why? Just get this. Because I took the time and I gave her the gift of speaking her language. And I'm just going to tell you that some of the greatest things you could do for the people in your life that you love is simply this. Learn what their love language really is. And if you really want to say, I love you, say it in a language that they understand. If if God were to challenge you one-on-one today to lay down your life more than you do, what would that look like for you? Would it be someone that you need to forgive Someone that you've been holding this grudge against that you need to let go? Would it be giving a gift of your time maybe to to someone who could really just use a little bit of that? Someone maybe that would appreciate so much a visit or a call or just a few moments that you could spend? Would it be with someone that you haven't been that patient with that really gets on your nerves and Maybe God helping you see them through his eyes, would that be it? Or would it be doing something like what I did for Wanda? Saying, I love you to someone in a way that you're, I don't know how God wants you to do that. Here's what I want to say. My challenge to you is that you leave here today and just take these thoughts with you and say, God, you laid down your life for us in so many ways. Help me to lay my life down for those I love. No greater love has anyone than this, than a person's willing to lay down their life for their friends. I've asked Rachel to lead us in a song that's an old chorus that says, change my heart, O Lord. Make it holy yours. Make my heart like your heart. Help us to love like you love. 
Father, as we come before you today, we know that there is uh, no way we could ever repay you for the way that you laid your life down for us, the way you gave yourself so fully and completely. And you don't ask us to repay you. What you do ask of us is that we would pay it forward. And so, Father, that's what we ask today. Uh, We talked about a lot of ways, Lord, that we can love with a sacrificial love. We, We talked about a lot of simple ways that we can lay down our life, but None of those ways we talked about are easy. So I just pray, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of us and that you would help us to love as you love, forgive as you forgive, give of our time as you give of your time, be patient as you've given, Lord, of your patience. And God, help us to speak the language of others just like you spoke ours. God, we do love you with all of our hearts and we pray that you would make us a people who lay down their lives for one another. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.